Welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Matthew Penny is back for the first time. Has it been two weeks, Penny? Two weeks, which is uh, a week longer than we normally go or have gone lately. Yeah, the NBA season started last week, and we just wanted to, you know, give give the NBA its time that it needs because, you know, Penny watches a lot of NBA, but it, it's not quite as much as uh, necessarily I do because I'm like double and triple screening games every single time, oh, it's, unfortunately. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to keep up with you. I, I start reading the tweets and I'm like, well, that's one game. And then two tweets later is another. I, I text you at one point. I said, how many games are you watching right now? Because I'm struggling with one and a half, two. Uh, I need to see the kind of screen set up over there in Australia. Yeah, I've got the iPad, the monitor, and the computer screen all set up with uh with games basically. So you do the triple screen. Uh, I need to get a TV in the office. Uh, unfortunately, retail has not been open for me to go and buy a TV for the office over here in Australia. Uh, w- once that happens, we're gonna be we're gonna be glorious, Penny. There's gonna be a nice TV in the corner. I'm gonna have a monitor. I'm going to be able to actually work while I watch games because I feel like I haven't been able to do that. Um, I'm more just like tweeting. It's, yeah, this is going to be a great little office set up here. It, it sounds like you got to figure it out. So you can't even have anything shipped to your place right now? Like everything's just totally shut down? I can. So it opens up at 6 p.m. tomorrow Oh, uh, here. And you better believe Laura and I are going to be at the mall uh, <laughs> ready to buy things because look like they're just random things we need for the house like it's not like oh yeah we just want to go and be like gluttonous and go shopping like look we absolutely want to go shopping because we haven't been able to in two months but like we actually have like a house to fill and we need random things like the there's like small things and there are big things like i won't talk about like big things we need but like one of the small things we realized we didn't have is like we don't have a butter dish <laughs> and in my head i played out that you're gonna say pizza cutter so butter dish is kind of in that no, same family a little bit yeah yeah we actually did go get a pizza cutter pretty early because we eat enough pizza but like we realized like we're just kind of trying to spread cold butter <laughs> on toast and it's impossible uh, so. first world problems it's it's like uh back in the day when you go wait in line overnight at best buy for like grand theft auto 4 that's what i'm envisioning you for your, your butter dish just wait in the line with everybody else it, we live very close to a mall like within like a five minute walk of like an enormous shopping center mall kind of thing and we know we're gonna need the car i'm like telling laura so do we go and just like drop off the car at three o'clock and then like walk home and continue our work day? That way we know we'll be able to actually park Ooh, I like at the that. mall. That's smart. That's smart. Like is, this, is that the move here? The the move is you're going to end up with so many things you don't need and think you do because you're going to get so excited. It's like throw that in. The, the stores are smart when they kind of have the, the end caps and they're checking out all those like little items at the end. Like I didn't think I needed – a big thing of caramel popcorn, but I think I'm going to throw that in here for, for the time being, too. <laughs> so, well, Laura and I uh, are not eating bad food right now. Uh, I'm, uh, you, you and I have talked about this, but I'm down a solid 21 pounds right now wow. over the last two months. And I, I'm down to like an actual respectable weight now. Uh, I, it's not that I was heavily overweight before because I tend to carry weight reasonably well. But 
uh, yeah, need, needed to needed to make some life changes in the pandemic in order to uh, not be uh, obese by the time the pandemic ended. It, let's say yeah, you just lost sight of the ball during all the relentless draft coverage we did over the last twelve months, and now the NBA, you're you're back in fighting shape. I like it. It's good. Got to keep going. Yeah, no. Now I needed to like create a rhythm. Like once we like got this new house, like I needed to figure out, okay, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to like, um, handle things in order to not, uh, not just feel like my body is about to collapse on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you'll have another TV screen soon. So that extra screen can be some, some online workout classes while you watch five other NBA games and try to keep up with uh, all the comings and goings that you've covered throughout the last few weeks here in the meantime and kind of push me a little bit to, to watch more NBA and, and take more notes on these rookies and previously college players and international guys that have elevated and graduated on to the big show and, and not our amateur ranks that we covered before yeah and you've watched a lot of nba now like now that we're what nine days into the season like you've caught enough to where you feel pretty pretty good about where you're at in terms of where the rookies are uh in terms of tape right i have it sort of happened organically in that i was watching a lot of guys and, and taking notes and you sent sort of a cryptic text message like, you watch much of the NBA? I'm like, I think I know what he's getting at here. And then I just had to play catch up a little bit, thank God, to Synergy. I don't know what I would do without you because watching in real time is great, but I, I don't have the same time um, allowance that, that some do, that, that you do. So to be able to go back and, and brush up on a couple of teams I missed, uh, it's been very, very helpful. So I, I've through about four or five games here, I, I've seen all the guys. We're about to talk about still a few more rookies to cover, but I, I feel pretty comfortable where we're at right now. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the, the having children thing really does probably <laughs> yes. create some issues, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, you just asked me, like, uh, hey, have you watched the, the first half of the Magic game? It's like, dude, I was watching Dinosaur Yoga downstairs, just trying to survive, trying to get to uh, the recording time here. So, no, not yet. Well, I mean, Penny, you are talking to the foremost expert in Orlando Magic basketball Perfect. right now because I have watched every minute the Orlando Magic have played this year, and it's not like a purposeful thing. Uh, I watched their first two games because I did really want to watch them, and then the third game was the game they won against the Knicks. I bet on the Knicks in that game, so I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this game. And then the fourth game was against the Heat, mm. and it just happened to be that the Heat are was one of two teams that I just hadn't seen yet and needed to get eyes on at a certain point. And then the fifth game here is Charlotte, and I don't know how much of the Hornets you've watched, but they play they are one of the five most watchable teams in the NBA because they don't play defense. They have no interior defense. Um, they're so fun offensively because LaMelo Ball is just like wheeling and dealing and they're running and gunning. And they have so many offensive creators between LaMelo and Gordon Hayward. And even like Kelly Oubre is like threatening on offense, right? Uh, Ish Smith, like they're, they're Miles Bridges has obviously been phenomenal so far this year. He's averaging 25 points a game in the first four games. So uh, they're a really, really fun team. And I'm just like, okay, this is the first game of the night. Why wouldn't I just pop it on, right? I saw them lose to the Celtics. We broke their undefeated streak in double overtime, I believe it was. And, yeah, I, I echo what you're saying, too. Like, LaMelo just catching the ball and 
casually whipping it full court with his offhand for a layup, then coming back, and the way he kind of pulls up off screens, and and even when they call timeouts, and he gets that like sneaky extra shot in from like thirty seven feet, it's a it's a show, it's a watch. <laughs> it's a show. Yeah. That's a great way to put the Charlotte Hornet experience. It's a show. Uh, we're going to spend today though talking about rookies and. I've really kind of sort of held off on a lot of my like takes on the rookie class uh, throughout uh, my tweets because I knew that we were going to do something like this. So I figured that we, uh, we we would just hold takes until then. Right. And the first place that I want to start is just simply it, it feels like to me that this rookie class is awesome. Um, I've really not only enjoyed this class, but I have really felt like there are more difference makers in this class than what there has been previously between Evan Mobley, you know, Chris Duarte, Scotty Barnes has been good. Uh, Franz Wagner has actually been pretty good despite the fact the magic are pretty bad. Josh Giddy has been good. Like you can go kind of up and down the list and you find a lot of players who are legitimately in rotations and playing fun roles. And yeah, sure, that happens every year, like Emmanuel Quickly and Sadiq Bey and Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball obviously emerged last year, but this year feels like a bit more productive and enjoyable to watch to me. It's strong at the top, and we still haven't seen Kate Cunningham, who's been hurt. Jonathan Kaminga has been hurt. And then throughout, there's still depth. Jeremiah Robinson Earl has started. Herb Jones has started. There's guys that, that we like sort of in the process, and I didn't think they'd be starting game four or five, but they've already asserted themselves as being these difference makers. I, I do want to preface a little bit because I was talking with a, a friend in NBA circles prepping for this and trying to get some intel aside from just what, what we watch and what we see. And I said, tell me something negative because everything's positive right now in these guys. And, and the negative yep. was it's it's been four games. You guys are doing mm-hmm. this already. I said, yeah, we are. I mean, it, we're, we're excited. It's kind of like more of a, a progress report in school than a report card. Yeah, no, it, it's we're, it, we're not overreacting. And look at look at Matt Penny asking for the negatives. Look at, <laughs> oh, that's look me. Because I, I need a negative spin. If I can't find it, I'm like, give me something that I can – hook my uh, my cart to here but it has been g- good to watch and, and to see guys that even with a little bit of hesitation at the top have have really produced statistically too and, and one of the fun things is you've seen a lot of players kind of like outside their comfort zones too and and i didn't know that they could really do some of the things and we'll get into specifics but that's kind of given me pause as to what do i have to change in my own personal evaluation process to not miss some of these things and what i've learned early despite it being two weeks is you are going to miss it's just are you missing big or or missing small on some of these so let's uh let's start on who i think has clearly been the best rookie do you think there's been like a clear best rookie in the nba so far (sighs) you're setting me up uh as like a surefire number one, I, I don't because I, I think that you could say one of probably four names and I would agree with you. So I, I don't mean in terms of long term. I just mean in terms of the way this guy has played through four games. And, you know, that can be you know, an older player. It can be a younger <laughs> player. I, I'm just saying in terms of like pure production so far, like I think that this one guy has just been really freaking good so far. I'm guessing you're going Evan Mobley. 
I think Evan Mobley has been incredible uh, for Cleveland. I, I am so blown away by what he's looked like defensively. I thought it was going to be a bigger adjustment for him, and I think there probably will be a, a bit of an adjustment at some point for him uh, physically. You look at some of the teams he's played, like he played Memphis in game one and you know got to chase around Jaron. Like that is helpful to him, right? He got to play Charlotte. Charlotte uh, just does not have any depth in the front court. He got to play Atlanta. Uh, got to chase around John Collins. Got to play Denver. Uh, Denver, again, got to chase around Michael Porter Jr., right? These teams that have bigger bodies, I think, are going to give him problems, like stronger players. Uh, and, and to be honest, like I felt like... Uh, I felt like someone, when he got matched up with Aaron Gordon uh, in that Denver game on occasion, I thought that Aaron Gordon's physicality even gave him some problems from time to time. But for the most part, he has just been so exceptional at moving his feet defensively. He's cleaning up for every single possible miscue. And this team has a lot of miscues defensively because out on the top, they have guys like Colin Sexton who can't stay in front of anyone. And they have Darius Garland who is small and he's only played half of their game so far, but he's another smaller guy who isn't great defensively on the ball. And then in the front court with him, they have Laurie Markinen and Jarrett Allen. Uh, Allen, I think has been a little bit better in terms of moving his feet this year than what he's shown in the past. I still don't love him as a rim protector for what the role that Cleveland needs him to play is, but Laurie Markkinen just gets like tanked every time. Oh, like he just gets blown by and you're, and you're, every and you're single time that, he's on an you're island. You're rolling out that big three. I was taken aback when they're saying, "Yeah, the stars are Laurie Markkinen, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley." I said that is a that is a big three lineup. Not necessarily what I'd say is a traditional big three, but it's it's different. And it starts with the defense. He's all over the place, and it's an asset by no he's means. So like the the switches it's not a liability it's not like ah crap he's he's switched he's in space he's great and he and he has that enthusiasm still to challenge a bunch of shots i saw a tweet i, I think he's leading the league and in, in challenge shots and altered yeah. shots and, yep. and then he crashes the glass and he takes off and, and runs in transition and i mean as a compliment i don't know if he knows any better yet he's just like i'm gonna empty my tank every time i'm out there whereas you play with some veterans, they'll challenge, they won't go as hard. It's more of a pace thing. He's going a million miles per hour right now, which which is great, and it's, it's helping what they've done. And then on offense, he's been given so much freedom to explore his game, especially from the perimeter, it, almost in a way how USC used him in that attacking dribble handoff stuff during the Pac-12. And, yep. and then he's used as a short roller, as a roll man, as a popper, and, and they exploit those mismatches while – like Markin will screen his man down low, then Mobley comes up for a high ball screen. It's sort of like a scramble. He has really good footwork, and then it forces the defense to make a decision. So it, it's hard because I'm, I'm trying to figure out if the three point thing ever comes around. If it does, like forget about it because everything else is has kind of pieced its way together. But as we alluded to earlier, I I didn't know what to do with them in the draft, and I sort of early feel like an idiot for having a fourth, but I don't know how to reshape my philosophy and what i mean by that is he did a lot at usc but there were holes like he didn't have a field goal attempt in a game he didn't always go full takeover mode he could be lost for long stretches on offense 
And then you go back to USA Basketball, like he had some back spasm issues, but there's kind of whispers. Is he tough enough? How can we, how can I recalibrate the evaluation process now to rebalance some of these factors, knowing I'm not going to be 100%? And, and maybe he is the, the fourth guy, and after Suggs and Green, they've, they've started to turn the corner a little bit, but how do I get closer to not missing on a guy like this? Well, I think the thing that Evan did really well, and that Evan just has, in comparison to other bigs, is tremendous flexibility and coordination. Uh, he's not a traditional big. He's just not like your typical seven footer. And we knew that pre-draft. Like this is not something. This is something we talked about, right? Uh, we talked about the bend that he plays with. We talked about uh, his skill level as a passer and ball handler, particularly. Uh, he is capable of playing some four. I still am of the firm belief that his best role will be as a five long term. Uh, He is going to get up to 235 pounds in all likelihood, and he is going to be just so that's where he's going to get his best marginal advantage. He can play the four and they can keep playing him at the four right now and play him at the three defensively at times. Right. Uh, He's mobile enough to do that, to be sure. But where you're going to get the most out of him marginally is taking advantage of mismatches against fives, I think. Because at some point, he's going to be big and strong enough to deal with fives while also being athletic enough to just you know, slide around and beat them off the bounce offensively. So I am very intrigued by the combination of skills so far. I will say one place where I think he's a little bit ahead is... And I think this is something that... I misjudged from both of the bigger ball handlers who have a chance to be like legitimate ball handlers in this class in Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. The space of the NBA court has helped both of these guys so much. And maybe we can go to Scotty Barnes next. I think Scotty's been really good so far, but the space of the NBA court in comparison to the college court where because these guys are so big and because the college court is so condensed, they end up just taking up so much space on the court, right? Totally. Like they end up just being so big and long that it takes them like two strides to get to the basket from the perimeter. That can be an advantage sometimes, but it can also be a hindrance when teams are playing this like very condensed zone offense, right? And what we're seeing so far with Evan Mobley when he's like denying dribble handoffs and uh, driving from the top of the key and finishing at the rim or getting the ball in the mid post and taking a stride and scoring, it's just harder to recover in the NBA than it is in college because the space is so much wider. There's so much more space in that mid range area to operate and Evan Mobley has taken full advantage of that. I think Cleveland and J.B. Bickerstaff have taken full advantage of that in a really interesting way. Yeah. The the last kind of point I'll I'll say on Mobley for a transition here is that uh, I'm with you on he's probably best suited as a five, and he has that lack of size up front and through his shoulders right now. But it doesn't really scare him away from going up in the dunker spot when he's there. And it was funny a bit to see the contrast in size and, and styles when he had Jokic on him for some plays. And it's like these guys are just light years apart in their games, their body types, their approach. 
but it's like they're both effective in, in what they do. And I'm curious to see how Evan Mobley continues to sort of evolve. And Cleveland's not great right now, so he's able to do almost whatever he wants from that position because they need him to, to be well. But how is he able to capitalize on the things he does now and, and add it to winning basketball in the future? Yeah, definitely agree with all of that. Uh, I'm trying to think. What, I guess that like the last thing I'll say on Mobley, I, I just, again, I can't note enough how impressed I've been defensively with the way he's cleaned up mistakes. Uh, his ability to just be a menace in help and, as you said, to contest shots, he's just all over the place. Like He is a legitimate not just like plus defender, he's a very, very good NBA defender already. His instincts are just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, the, the timing is something you can't teach, and he clearly has that for his second jump as well. Okay, let's take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to get to the rest of the class. We're talking about players securing the bag. When they get drafted in June, I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot-blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash gametheory okay we're back i want to go to scotty barnes next because i've enjoyed uh 
Raptors fans like acting like I didn't have Scotty Barnes in the top seven of my <laughs> rankings I, all I, year. I, like, I have very similar, very similar feedback. Like I, I am such an enormous fan of Scotty Barnes, and people get frustrated because they see me. Uh, they see that I have said previously that he was a no level scorer on the ball in college. Right. And by the way, that was accurate. Right. Uh, what I think I misjudged with Scotty Barnes is similar to Evan Mobley. I misjudged how the effect of space would really impact him. He can definitely score at the rim in the NBA because he covers ground so quickly as a driver. I will also say, like, I think that Toronto is using him phenomenally. They're using his energy and athleticism and motor really, really well. They're using him as a weapon in the dunker spot. They're using him as a weapon on the offensive glass as a roller. Uh, they figured out really, really interesting ways to weaponize him uh, that make him effective. They're obviously letting him grab and go as well uh, out on the break. And I think that's really, really smart. Uh, Take advantage of where he's best, which is out in space, where he can use that length and athleticism to cover ground uh, as quickly as he can. I think the jumper looks better with Scotty Barnes for sure. Uh, It's cleaner. It has like, there's a hitch that's gone kind of at the top, which is really, really important. Uh, Having said that, like he has not really made shots at a level commensurate with where I think Toronto fans like have him making shots right now. Uh, he's like I, I after their first three games, I went through and like did the numbers on the amount of shots that he's made in a Toronto Raptors uniform. Uh, so going summer league preseason and the uh, first few NBA games so far, he's made 19 of 57 mm-hmm. uh, from outside of 10 feet right. thus far in his career. That's 33%. Uh, from a process perspective, it looks much better. And I'm very excited about Scotty Barnes from uh, a future perspective and he's been productive through offensive rebounding and transition already in a way that's been great to see uh i I don't know that i'm like he has a chance to be like a top 15 player in the nba uh level yet but i think that there's a chance he could be like a top you know 30 player in the nba and make an all-star game or two and uh, look really good. I I mean, I haven't watched any of their game against the Pacers tonight. He is 10 points on five of 11 shooting and he's, you know, at halftime and his, uh, I can see on my timeline looked pretty solid at least. So uh, he's definitely a guy that you and I thought was going to be able to play early for sure. Just because of the physicality, the athleticism, the motor, the defensive ability, but we also like just had like upside questions long term, and I think that that's where uh, that's where things continue to be at this point. We'll see what happens as he continues to shoot. 
Yeah, I was clearly watching the Celtics game when he had 25 points, 13 rebounds, 11 for 17 from the floor. He, he hit a three. He hit a step-in jumper. I said, what have I done? Uh, you sent a, a tweet, and I want to put you on the spot because I know you tweet a lot. What was your tweet on his shot attempts? Because that was the first thing that stood out to me is that I don't remember like ever really seeing him take 17 shots in a game outside of grassroots basketball because oh yeah so he played second or third fiddle at mount vert academy because they had moses booty and kate cunningham and dayron sharp and even caleb houston and then usa basketball the same way the year before though like even think the year before when he was at university he was not the number one option vernon Carey was like he has probably not ta- – I mean, I can, I'll can. i give you the number. I mean, in his first two games, he took 13 and 17 shots. The most shots he took in a single game at Florida State last year was 13. Yeah. And, and, he, and I'll, I'll pull up it. the numbers. Yeah, like he had 12 in his third game against Dallas. He has 11 at halftime tonight against but, the Pacers. But that's kind of like the craziness that I didn't know he had a lot of this offensive piece in him and, and maybe – so I, I sent a tweet about how I, I've just he's one of the other guys I've just rethought, and I, I know it's early, but you shoot twenty seven percent from three at Florida State and sixty two percent from the free throw line. Like the indicators are there that yeah, I don't I don't know if like the jumper really comes around, but it has like it, it looks more comfortable. I know the numbers aren't astronomical, but it looks more consistent. When he was left open at, at Florida State, it was like, okay, man, have at it. Now the jumper is somewhat respectable, that it's it's going to be close. It's less of a moon ball. Like, it still has arc, but it's not as, like, sky high, and he's missing more of the same way that he has. And uh, the spacing of the NBA court has helped in those triple handoffs he does and, and isolations, and it, it lets him get to his move without being packed in so often and i think the energy plays into it as well as he has a great nose for the ball on the offensive glass so it goes up he's there right away for second chance opportunities like evan mobley they're just so full of energy right now these rookies that like you look twice and they're getting their second shot attempt josh giddy's the same way you miss he's he's right there you still seeing like the best parts of, of scotty barnes too and that he flashed one of those like lefty one hand full court advance passes in the game I watched with the Celtics, yep. and it was like a miss, but it was like the fact that he had the gusto to to throw that and the role allocation. I, I was worried with the pick there with Toronto in my mind needing a guard and kind of having Pascal Siakam who's been out, but they're playing him right now next to Precious Achua, who's kind of someone in that mold and scotty sometimes will play like the five and then others he's sort of bringing the ball up so he's all over the court and i remember someone in the front office said like we want to play five guys like that and their, their style actually says like they might try that so it, it's been a, a lot i, I want to see what it looks like when everyone else is healthy but it's like we're seeing everything he did in the past and then he's ejected with a, a booster shot of offensive game that uh, hand up like i i didn't really see this coming yeah so (laughs) in the case of toronto like wanting to play five guys like that people keep like i feel like nobody mentions them as a ben simmons like spot anymore and i keep wondering if they are a ben simmons spot because he literally would allow them to play five guys. Like <laughs> All right, yeah, I wish your command. Here's your point guard. Do you want another six nine guy? Yeah, here he is. Like you could play 
A, Ben Simmons, Delano Banton, OG Ananobi, uh, Precious Achua, Scotty Barnes lineup. Yeah, and the, that is and, literally all and, guys that size. And that's a, and and that's a fun all lineup can too. The ball. Like when they roll out Banton, and I forget it was the coach or someone had a quote saying like, "We have to play him. Like he he needs minutes. He he makes an impact out there." Yeah, I'm a little bit less sold on like the Banton hive. But uh, I, I understand why Toronto fans are excited, and I think that there's reason for like some optimism there for sure. Uh, <laughs> the because like the other thing that they could do is they could just like who who would be the perfect point guard for Joel Embiid that isn't like an all star point guard? Are you say our, our our Lord and Savior Malachi Flynn? Or are you going to go deeper? No, I'm I'm saying Fred Van Fleet. Oh, okay, you, you could go that. I mean, they sort of resigned a year ago, right? Like. Two years ago, yeah. he's in his third. Right. This is his third okay. year third, in that contract. Second. I see it. I, I get I'm, it. I'm just saying, like that's a that's like a real like fits that front office. Raptors fans already beating us up. They're gonna have all these beat reporters <laughs> pulling from this, saying you're encouraging a trade. This is just gonna blow up. But he he fits that front office's mo. Like they have the exact player that Philadelphia needs. Like they're probably gonna have to add more to Fred to get a deal done. Just given yes. where Daryl's price tag seems to be. But I'm just saying, like I'm just kind of just just throwing it out there. I think he's probably gonna need a little bit more. But that's you know we'll we'll see. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. I, just I, as I like a, it. it's a, it's ambitious and it's a. Bizarre staring contest we're we're watching in real time too, so maybe that breaks it down a little bit. Just I'm just connecting dots that you know maybe maybe should be connected, <laughs> maybe shouldn't be, maybe it's all dumb. I don't know. Just this is what I do. I, I just uh, that's the fifth screen. The fifth screen is just conspiracy theories. Yeah, it's it's me literally embodying the Charlie Day uh, <laughs> yeah. thing from uh, It's Always Sunny. Sunny. Yeah. This is me. Okay. Uh, anything else on Scotty Barnes? I think Scotty's look great. I'm really excited about what he's shown so far. I think he's going to be an awesome, awesome player that really, truly affects winning uh, in the NBA because of his high basketball IQ, his motor, his toughness, his defensive ability, which is all stuff that you and I talked about pre-draft and we're very excited about with Scotty Barnes. We are. They're, I don't know if they're up right now, but one and three. So you have to see if it... This type of uh, also freedom will kind of contribute to to wins, but everything he's done, he's been much more assertive, finding his own shot. So it's uh, yeah. It's, uh, again, we had him seven. I had I think I had him seventh. So it's not like I'm seventieth, but maybe uh, worthwhile of a, a few spots higher than that. Okay, let's go. Let's go to Chris Duarte next because. Chris Duarte is the patron saint of the Game Theory oh, Podcast. Is. Yes, uh, if. if if Poku is our uh, Jesus figure, uh, I would say that Chris Duarte uh, has long been the uh, the source of affection on this show. We have we have loved Chris Duarte for a long time. Chris Duarte is averaging twenty points in his first four games in the yeah. NBA. Uh, I did not expect this. Well. I, I didn't really either, but I, I think Chris Duarte is kind of like the first guy, and, and we go on here, we record, we say our takes, this one, and I, I remember when we recorded, and I was like, I don't know, man, Chris Duarte is better than the 40s. You're like, I know, right? Isn't like Duarte really good? So like, that was the first like connective tissue type of player between the two of us. 
I say this as a compliment. He plays like he's 24 years old, right? Like he, he's a, he's totally. he's an older rookie. He's already had a, a handful of 20 plus point games. His first three games, he had 15 shots, 16 shots, 21 shots, and he hits his first couple, and then he acts like he's not going to miss. Like he's hit multiple buzzer beaters and quarters. He missed a game winner, but I'm okay with that because he has stones. Like the the shooting has translated immediately. You go under that screen, he's going to make you pay. Then he has that one dribble pull up when he's chased off the line. And Pacers do a great job of running pin downs for him to free him up. And they look for him late in, in the shot clock, and, and he can fire from deep. The one thing that I, I don't really know yet if I've, I've figured out is it seems like he's taking tougher shots in the NBA than he was at, at Oregon. Have you thought the same watching? I don't think so. I think that Oregon used him a lot off of movement like that. Uh, the flat. I mean, look, I mean, he's like maybe clearing like off guys from overall. like 30 feet. He's like waving off guys like, no, 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 I got it. I'm going to take like a 30-footer. Like that wouldn't happen unless you're like deep late in the yeah. game, the Pac-12 on the road against whatever, USC. It just seems like he's gotten into his bag earlier, and the confidence is just – crazy and i love seeing it like it's a shot he's high five on the bench he's yelling uh he, he's just like on that older path than some of the other younger rookies are yeah like I, it's hard because i feel like he showed all of those flashes sure you know what yep. i mean it was just maybe not as consistent like maybe his overall like shot difficulty is higher right now because like he's taking more difficult shots like he's taking difficult shots more often right. and look like Chris Duarte is going to be as good as his jumper takes him luckily enough he's a 40% three point shooter like he has been throughout the course of his career and I, I worry about what the rest of his game looks like offensively like he's been a smart like piece of a cog passer but hasn't necessarily been like a great passer so far uh he's been not a great finisher inside i think he struggled a little bit with that but it doesn't matter because he is a terrific shooter who can shoot off of a variety of movement and get his shots uh off uh, at volume at a high level and on top of that he is a legit defender who makes the right read, makes the right rotation, helps in the right places every single time. Uh, he's six foot six and is a 45% three point shooter through his first four games. And I think he's a real shooter. So yeah, everything about the Chris Duarte's experience is going, I think at the peak level that either of us thought that it could, but like neither of us are surprised that he's having success as a rookie, right? I'm not. And I, so kind of two tweets I have on him and, and I swear for people that follow me I, I tweet more than just about Chris Duarte, Josh Primo and Franz Wagner, I, I promise but two of the Chris Duarte call-outs I had was yeah, for his age, it was the, the comparison I made is like, he's a luxury car with 50,000 miles on it, but it, it's still like a Mercedes-Benz it, it's not like you, you have some, some <laughs> run-of-the-mill car, like we, we knew it was still going to perform how high his ceiling is and for contract two and three, I don't know, but it's production right here and right now. The 13th pick feels like the right place to make that gamble. We're not saying on this podcast should have went fifth. Like everyone blew it. No, I, I, there's reservations that, right. that are going to be on his age and, and that's warranted. But for Indiana to say, that's our guy. 
at 13, he's going to come in and contribute right away. We'll figure it out six years down the road when he's 30 years old. But we're happy with the pick. And then it's you, you contrast it with it, and I, I wrote about this earlier today. Josh Primo was picked 12th. He was the youngest player in the draft, and he's going to the G League to get reps. Where is he at in five yep. years? He could surpass Chris Duarte, and Chris Duarte could have had his moment in the sun for two or three years, and Josh Primo could be building on the, the great preseason and summer league he had. We had 15 to 18 points. Everybody said the kid is, is unbelievable, but they're kind of going opposite directions right now. They're going to both intersect, but it's, it'll be something to, to watch and, and talk about as, as time wears on. Is there any person you love talking about more than Josh Primo? Uh, I have to mention him. It's it's part of my contract with the uh, Game Theory podcast. Each one, I can't leave him out. Contractually, I I, 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 wrote, I wrote that today, and, and somebody I forget who it was responded on Twitter and said, "Are you are you cashing in your your tickets to leader of the Josh Primo bandwagon?" I said, "Absolutely not. That's that's a futures ticket. That's no. uh, I'll look at that one in about three years, but I'm I'm still on the bandwagon. Still Team Primo forever." Yeah, you would you would never cash never. in that uh never. catch in that, that ticket, I feel like. Uh let's go to the let's go to the magic, the team I'm watching right now. Because I, I find what they've done so far with their rookies to be interesting. Franz Wagner has definitely been better than Jalen Suggs. Suggs has a lot more on his plate. Wagner is in every way just a very uh he makes the simple decision every time and it's the right decision and all he has to do is make these reversal passes and uh, hit cutters and hit three pointers and make cuts himself and it's a very simplified role and it's a role that suited him exceedingly well so far for Orlando it is why I love the pick because he had Jalen Suggs and you do the type of wing that Orlando has was versatile but not as like more basketball well-rounded and with Wagner he wasn't great in the preseason he wasn't great in summer league there are a couple flashes and everyone was so quick to judge him that the game was too fast or too physical he he can't play the way he did at Michigan and I just had a hunch that once there was actual structure NBA games even when a lot of NBA offensive sets are still based on reads that his ability was going to shine through and that offensive processing that you talked about does show through when like Suggs the game just like slows down a little bit and his shot looks better I I just did a video on that like you look at Michigan he'd catch the ball from three and kind of hesitate he's only shooting like 35% right now but it's a lot smoother he believes in it he was four for five the other night against the Knicks so it's like someone told him, hey, you got to shoot. And, and he's catching in transition and, and pulling without hesitating. I still like him at his best as a, a secondary attacker when the ball is swung. Like that Miami game that I think you watched too is in the first half. It was reversed. He caught it. He went middle, one dribble for like a short running baby right hook. And that like that's who he is. He just kills you when you least expect it. So I really like him. He, he's always in the right spots on defense too. He, he's kind of just the player that – I thought he would be, and, and the role has, has worked out better than I thought it would based on kind of what the preseason looked like. And then on the other side, I think Jalen Suggs has probably been the most harmful rookie to winning so far. <laughs> uh, That's a headline. Yeah, you and I love Jalen yes. Suggs, and we're both very in on Jalen Suggs long-term, I think. Like, there's no um, no hesitation there. Like, we're both very in. Uh 
And from what I've seen, there's every reason to still be in on Jalen Suggs. Uh, it, it's just a matter of a few things right now. A, we knew the shooting was going to be like, not like a significant question early, but it was going to be a problem right. early as he continued to develop and grow. Second, his handle is not as tight as what it needs to be at the moment. And I remember against Miami, there was a stretch where he like had it cleared out on the side against Dwayne Dedman in like the mid post area. And Dwayne Dedman just like stripped him. Like he put the ball on the ground once and Dwayne Dedman stripped Mm -hmm. him. And that's concerning when Dwayne Dedman can just rip you as uh, someone who was the number five overall pick, who is a lead ball handler. Having said that, what I have been most not even concerned with, but the reason I think he's struggled the most so far is just with the speed of the game and recognizing how, I guess the way to put it is how locked in you have to be at every single moment. Uh, He makes a lot of just really poor mistakes. Uh, A lot of like, oh, I just like kind of, you know, mistimed this lob because I was 10% less locked in than I need needed to be right. Like he threw a lob. I can't remember if it was against the Knicks or against the heat where it was an easy lob to make and it looked like he just short armed it and it was not a smart, not a good play. It was a bad play. He turned it over and it should have been two points, but instead it was zero points uh, and the ball went the other way and honestly it turned into negative two points. <laughs> if I remember correctly for Orlando, um, w- what I think he needs to do is just like lock in a little bit more. You've seen some real flashes of high level passing ability uh, on the move when he's driving. You've seen some flashes of very high level defensive ability. Uh, he just needs to understand he needs to have that level of like locked in play at every single moment he's on the court. Otherwise uh, it's just not going to work for him right now. I see the same. I think part of it's just getting his sea legs under him too. And in a summer league, and I don't want to make this like sound disrespectful to summer league in the preseason. He could just play so fast and, and sort of overpower his opponents. And, a lot of that can be like glorified pickup type settings in, in the NBA and in, in real games now. It, it's playing with different gears, and you're not always going to be in fifth. And then when he's playing this as Cole Anthony, he gets excited sometimes when the ball comes his way that he rushes to get a shot off. So he, he's doing this thing now where he's searching for fouls in the lane and flailing. You're not getting that whistle in the NBA as a rookie. You're not. And, and he did that a lot on the grassroots yeah. circuit in the first game or two in Gonzaga, and then he really reeled it back in and said, I'm not going to be able to score like this. And it was more attacking pick and roll, powering through at the rim, waiting for swings, and then kind of attacking off a shifting defense. I think that increased speed and forcing it contributes to some of his turnover stuff too. It, it's still consistent with the 4.5 to, to 3 rate that he had with Gonzaga. The, the shot's going to get better. He's getting really clean looks out of like high ball screens just some of them are short armed and some of them just kind of like i don't know if it's not being locked in sail off a little bit he had that one bounce back the other night where yep. he was four for eight from three so i don't want to make this a, a complete negative fest 
he competes. He he really gets after on defense too. He's disruptive on and off the ball. He clearly cares out there to a detriment at times. He's going to get his minutes despite the depth in that backcourt. He just needs to tighten it all up. Real in the craziness, real in the turnovers. He's he's playing better tonight. We're talking about it before we recorded here. So I, I'm not jumping ship on him either. He he's still the guy that. I keep it too, despite the success of Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. Just it's going to take more than four or five games for him to really figure it out. Yeah, and as we say this, he goes and turns the oh, ball over God. on like a nice little dribble <laughs> handoff that should have led to like a very easy lob whoa, to whoa, Wendell Carter whoa. because part of his problem right now is he doesn't know how to shift gears. Yes. Uh, he literally like all he had to do here was get the defender, the ball screen defender on his hip slow down a touch, keep the ball low on a crossover, and just wait for that help defender to come, and he would have had a very easy lob to Wendell Carter. And he just didn't have the ability to stop and have the patience to do that right now. So that that's where we're at on him. It's going to be a process. He is being asked to do a lot for this team. I mean, he just, like locked up Gordon Hayward on this next possession as I'm watching. Uh, And he's defending tough assignments most nights. And that is very impressive, but it's definitely going to be a process given the amount that he has on his plate. Yeah. With a younger team and a younger roster too. And he doesn't have the say comfort more than convenience. This team, by the way, yeah, like this team is averaging 21 years old in their starting lineup right now. It's a mess. Yeah, uh, They're a mess on defense. They're a mess on offense. They don't have a ton implemented seemingly uh, in terms of what they're running, like not a ton of complicated action. A lot of it is just like uh, they've implemented more over the course of these five games. Like they're running more dribble handoff, like um, getting the bigs out in motion stuff out on the perimeter which is really good and i think it's led to easier opportunities for instance for wendell carter tonight uh who has 20 points and nine rebounds as we talk but this is not a great situation like scotty barnes is probably in like the optimal situation right now in toronto jalen suggs is probably in like the lowest possible uh situation in orlando right now because he's playing with uh, two bigs on the court a lot of the time. He's playing some minutes with RJ Hampton, who has not been very good. Uh, he's playing some minutes with Cole Anthony, who's hit or miss depending on the night. Uh, it, it's just it, Orlando is not a very good team right now. Let's just leave it at that. No, you you, you phrased it correctly and, and framed it correctly that if we're in the alternate universe where Jalen Suggs did go to Toronto and Scotty Barnes did go to Orlando, has I tweeted incorrectly at, at one point I, I think there it, it wouldn't be a, an a to b switch kind of like that but I, I think Jalen might be a little bit better with some of the piece around him and and scotty would still be fine but i don't know if we'd be talking about him a, as being effective with that because there wouldn't be as much on his plate more for more for scotty well, and, and, and here's the thing like orlando would have taken him i think and i think he probably i think he'd probably be coming off the bench right now because I would bet you they would still start Franz Wagner. Do they draft Wagner? Because they, they take despre- him. Well, they desperately need the shooting. Yeah. They, they need. They uh, would need to start maybe Terrence Ross then, right? Because Wagner um, has because the, they would desperately the need too, the shooting. Because right. that was kind of that, yeah. that's been the 
to hold up the fronds. He does everything, but doesn't shoot it. The shot looks better. I mean, Scotty was 27% from Florida State. I don't, you can draft both of those, but then you really need a, a four spacer. And Cole Anthony's not that guy, and, and RJ Hampton really hasn't been that guy. So you, you need a shooter out there. You know, Wendell Carter's not that guy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. Let's go to Jalen Green and Alper and Shangoon as well. But let's go to Jalen Green and God. Miles Bridges is so good. <laughs> sidebar. <laughs> so, so good. Yeah, sidebar, Miles Bridges is a legit, like, star NBA player, I'm pretty sure. Like, that's where we're Good at. We like it. Um, Jalen Green has had one good game, three not-so-great games, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, has a 30-point explosion against Matt Penny's Boston Celtics. Yeah, I need a 20-second timeout. Can, and can, then, can rookies stop playing so well against the Celtics? Like Jalen Green, career night, <laughs> Scotty Barnes, career night. There's a pattern. We're, we're figuring out here in Boston, but let's slow, the, slow down the rookies a little bit here. Yeah, it's it's a little bit tough. Um, yeah, not nine points against Minnesota, nine points against Oklahoma City, 10 points against Dallas, uh, 30 against Boston. Uh you know, 14, 11, 18, 16 field goal attempts in those games. The problem also has been in three of those four games, he has not shot well. Uh, one of six, one of five, two of nine from three. He had eight of ten from three against Boston. <laughs> of course he yes. did. Um, the ex- This is kind of going the way that you and I thought it would. Like, there will be these crazy explosive performances. It's frankly going, like, kind of similar to the G League, just at a higher level, because the NBA is a tougher league. Uh, He's going to have these crazy explosive games where he looks like a future all-star against Boston, and he's going to have these games where he struggles, like he did against uh, Dallas, for instance. Uh, Like, it's just going to be... It's going to be real hit or miss for Jalen Green, and that's okay. He just needs to keep rounding out the rest of his game in a substantial way. Yeah, he's never lacked confidence, and, and we knew that throughout grassroots and the G League Ignite. Brian Shaw, who's head coach, said he had that it factor. He carries himself like he belongs out there. And that Celtics game that, yes, I was watching, unfortunately, he had he finished with eight threes. Then he had six in the first half, and he made them in a variety of ways too. It, it wasn't him camping out in the corner and having other people create who's coming off screens, who's pulling up, who's knocking down a transition. And, and then he'll have that flash of like that crazy finish where he, he pushes the ball ahead going left and contorts his body at the rim. And you just want him to be a little bit more yep. efficient. You want more of those nights where he's 11 for 18 and not 4 for 16 and, and not trading shot for shot with Kevin Porter Jr. And then my last Celtics zone here is not a slight but kind of a call out. He, he guarded Jason Tatum and they, they stood next to each other. And he looks small physically. And, and part of his game, the expansion of that, the finishing above just jumping over guys when there's a, a slow defender, is being able to finish with a guy on your hip. Tatum really committed himself to the gym and the weight room, and you can tell how his body transformed. Then if and when Jalen does that, it could be close to game over as long as he's not taking all these wild shots because that vertical pop and bounce will get him buckets. And the criticism with the drives for now, unless the lane's open and guys are slow to recover, he's just bumped off his path a lot. And and that's why I think some of these lower percentage shots are coming because he's forcing for these short little fadeaways because he's trying to get a shot off. Yeah, I think that's a really apt way to kind of phrase it. I think that's a really, really smart way to think about it. Um, 
defensively, like it's just going to be a process. <laughs> I mean, there's just not another way to put it. This Rockets team is not very good on defense right now. Uh, I, I don't know that we need to dive heavy into the or, uh, the uh, Houston Rockets defense no. at this point because it's just not very good. There. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alperin Shengun, any thoughts? Like he's uh, so create. I, I think the creativity as a passer yep. has been really interesting at times yeah and also kind of steals number nine steals in four games i think it's kind of nuts and I, I like his his timing on the glass he does have that like sneaky euro way of carving out space up the lane with those like little nudges or, or pushes and th- there's adjustments that that he needs to make and guarding against like al horford like even al horford's athleticism gave him fits at times which is sort of a, a wild statement to make in in 2021 and with all due respect to, to al horford the the shooting the we, we saw like a little bit overseas that the shot was coming around like it's not there he was one for five in his first three games from three the celtics were switching uh that high ball screen and, and just had no fear of him scoring from the perimeter at all and when he's pulled from there his man was helping a little bit on drives and leaving him naked in one play against Oklahoma City he put on the deck and, and picked up a charge so it, he's just going to have to adjust more people got really excited when he had the opening night in the summer league I, I'm not super worried yet with him either about the scoring because when Jalen Green is 30 and Kevin Porter Jr. is, is chasing him bigs are kind of like the odd man out and that's not really his fault but it's got to see more yeah, it's nice to see him in the rotation. Uh, I would like to see where he falls on defense a little bit more. Um, really good instincts. Like you said, Like he is getting his hand on the ball often. Uh, I, I need to see more in terms of his ability to move yeah, in space we'll at this point. I think that that's the concern. Okay. Uh, let's take another quick commercial break, and then we'll kind of finish up with some thoughts on like the Josh Giddy and Jeremiah Robinson Earls, the Davion Mitchells and Herb Joneses on defense. Just some, some of that excitement. Okay. We're back. Uh, let's go to the Thunder guys, because uh, God knows the Thunder fans are probably very upset that we have waited this long <laughs> to talk about uh, Josh Giddy. Uh, I've loved him. I thought he's been everything that they could have hoped for. Uh, it's a significant problem on defense for him right now, but that's okay. He's not. He's in the right spots. He's just struggling to defend on the ball at this point. Uh, that's fine. It's whatever, because at the end of the day, he's shooting the ball really well. I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive getting to the three-point shot whenever he's playing off the ball next to Shea. I think that there's a real ability for him to potentially take more threes. But he's not there yet, and maybe the confidence isn't there yet for a reason, right? Um, The passing is just unbelievable. Like, he's just such an unreal passer. And the way that he thinks the game and transition and processes the game is unbelievable. Yeah, the the court sense, and even though his his pick-and-roll numbers statistically haven't been great, you see the the creativity and his passes over the top. Just want him to have a little bit more of a a finishing package. The floater is nice, but it's not always going to be the most efficient shot. I mean, I know know he's big, so it, it allows him to finish over smaller guards, but he does seem to settle for that when the defense rotates because he knows he's not finishing through them right now based on 
his size. I, I do think also he's most efficient coming off screens. That's not something that we're surprised by based on where he's at last year. And I, I like the way Oklahoma City had him kind of play away from the ball. And, and he came off a double screen, he caught, and then he's able to slice like a scrambling defense more so than you have at the top of the key. Everyone's set. Like he's never going to have that, that Russell Westbrook just pop to beat a guy then react off of that. Uh, I, I like him making reads amidst the, the chaos of everything. And I praised him earlier that yep. he, he's rebounded the ball really well. And at, at 19 years old, there's a, there's a lot to be excited about. Had that monster 19 points, eight rebounds, seven assists game that had probably inflated his numbers a little bit. And, and that's sort of my one semi-question I had for you when, when prepping here is that Oklahoma City is, we'll, we'll put it politely, and they're aiming to stockpile picks, right, and assets and even potentially tanking if you you phrase it that, term it that. Are we worried at all about sort of his stats going to be super padded with they're just able to give him 30 minutes a night if they want, and then the numbers are going to come back to earth once they try to start you know, really focused on winning games and bringing in some veterans to the mix? Look, that'll probably or happen to some extent. Or should I stop being a hater and just enjoy the, the Australian Wonder Kid show? Well, 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 what I think we've seen from him so far is very similar to Tyrese Halliburton uh, last year in a lot of ways, where he makes the right decision so often. He has a 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, Halliburton's probably a better shooter than what he is. Uh, I... I would like to see Josh just take more threes, but it's a similar deal in terms of the high level processing ability uh, where he is very, very capable of grabbing and going in transition, making the right read, playing as like a point guard or off the ball at times next to Shea and, and making decisions at a really high level. And I think that's probably enough. Like, I think that Oklahoma City can get everything it needs out of taking him at sixth overall if that's what they get. Right. Right? right. Like, they're going to be happy with that. And I don't, yeah, you're probably right that, you know, by year two, when they're still bad, the numbers will probably be higher. Like, he'll probably be averaging, you know, 14 points and six assists per game or something. And then maybe when they start to get good, then they'll come crashing down to 10 points and five assists a game. But it doesn't matter because he'll just be he'll be as effective. It'll just be a different role. Like, I think that, again, this is the kind of player that is a winning player, regardless of the role. And uh, Max Struess just made a shot. So I'm excited. <laughs> I, I like Giddy playing through his mistakes and just being thrown to the fire, too. Yeah. Just. For the record, like I don't, I don't want to be on the bench. You're, you're 19. You know, Oklahoma City's 0-4 right now. I don't know if they're playing right now. That's fine. You're, you're going to lose. Like Just lose and, and get your kids some experience. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Just let them play through the pain like Jalen Suggs is doing right now as well. Like I think, it's, I think it's a smart decision for Oklahoma City, and I think they'll reap the rewards later. Um Another guy that's playing for them is Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and he's playing real minutes for yeah. them right now. Uh, this is a guy that I definitely had in the first round. Did you have him as a first rounder last I did. year? I think I had like 28. I have to pull it up. But if, if I didn't have him in the first, it was like 32. It, it wasn't past, I think, where he was drafted. I have to pull it up. But uh, it, he was right there for me. I, I want to say 28 or 29. 
Yeah, he's making shots from the perimeter. He's making the right read regularly again. Uh, provides some real physicality inside. He just looks like a really high-level rotation player long term. Yeah, really smart player in terms of spatial awareness and, and rotating and moving to the right spot. Almost staying out of the way until he's needed, and, and that needs to be his role, and then he'll make you pay when he has a chance to do so. But he, he isn't going to pout or, or be in the wrong places when he, he isn't has to be there. And he said, like you said, hitting open shots is 6 for 11 from 3. He's attacking off the bounce better from the perimeter than I thought he would at Villanova. When he'd attack, would kind of be like one dribble, then he'd turn his back and kind of back down his man. It's, it's much more fluid on the, the rip-throughs and drives. But I'm not, uh, again, I'm not trying to do this revisionist history thing now where I say he should have went 15th, but I'm not surprised either that he's starting and being a contributing guy and you know, Mark Dagnall said some quote about him the other day that he, he comes every day ready to work he, he brings I don't know he said work boots or hard hat it was some construction uh, <laughs> metaphor that he made but like that's who Jeremiah is, has always been throughout grassroots and college so people around him aren't, aren't really shocked about what he's doing right now <laughs> I've just got to share uh, John Rothstein tweet with you because for people i think we may i don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast before penny is friends with rothstein i, I just don't know john like that at all um <laughs> rothstein tweeted used to feel guilty oh, no. when i was preoccupied with college hoops on thanksgiving and couldn't truly visit with family not anymore <laughs> You can cook a turkey anytime, but there's only so many chances for Richmond to play a team like Maryland on a neutral court. Uh, He knows what he's doing. I I don't know how to say in in more words that like this is this is real to him. Damn it! It's like the the kid in the pro wrestling show that had the interview and somebody says fake. It's still real to me. Damn it! That like that's John. He's he's unapologetically who he is. He's obsessed with college basketball. It's it's not a bit like sure he played out in his head and he wants to share his his basketball college basketball brain with the world and and this is how he does it 120 ish characters at a time you started that tweet i had no idea where you're going and then as soon as you said like richmond i'm like this is going to be some neutral court bs like i I know it is oh my god but hey the thing about john is man can't knock his work he's been to like 30 plus campuses already this year and practices so the, the guy puts it in he is obsessed i love it I, lo- I love it. I've come totally around on Rothstein. I really have. Like, I, I used to kind of, like, not be a fan of it. But I've, you just can't, you can't help but laugh. Like, that's the thing. Like, I used to not be able to tell if he's in on the joke or not. But, like, he's definitely in on the he's, joke yeah, at this he, point. It's great. He gets it. He gets it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go to Davion Let's Mitchell. Who I have so thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, he like scored like a point and a half in his first like uh three games for the kings and then the most recent game was great offensively but god his defense is awesome it's so good yeah it's it's nuts i mean the the highlights made the rounds of him shutting down donovan mitchell on multiple possessions and then he chased around steph curry for a night and he worked so hard to fight over and and through those screens i wrote down the quote that that Curry said is you could definitely tell he has all the tools in the kit to be a defensive stopper. Just stay a pest out there in the best of ways. I mean, Steph Curry still at 27 because that's what Steph Curry does. And we knew the defense would translate. Was sort of worried if the offense didn't, would he be like sort of more Javon Cartery than Marcus Smarty? 
the the best thing I'd say offensively and, and what Jalen Suggs should probably hone up on, tone up on, is, is just the change of speeds in, in the half court and in transition when he has the ball in his hands. He knows how to yeah. put his man in jail when he beats him and uses that hang dribble. And then when Golden State went zone, he was really good on the catch and rip through to kind of make the defense step up and commit, and then he would spray to shooters. Uh, Steph Curry actually guarded him well, and which is a weird thing because you don't always give the credit for Curry as a defender. But, yeah, it, w- it was one game of scoring. The other two are, are two points and three points, something like that. I don't know the, the other game, what it was from there. But he, he's a guy that, that really uses his defense to fuel his offense and not vice versa, which can be rare at the professional level. And then he's even used as a closer in, I think, the second game in, instead of Tyrese Halliburton. So that staff and, and obviously that franchise yep. respects what what he does and, and how much his defense can be a game changer, especially down the stretch. Yeah, he's playing almost 30 minutes a night like and doing so really well he's making really really good decisions like they have him in like a semi-limited role offensively uh and using all of his energy on defense but uh, a four to one assist to turnover ratio uh he's been very very smart with the way that he has handled the ball thus far in his career uh yeah just very impressive uh i'm very very impressed with the way the defense has translated uh you and I both thought he was the best uh, on-ball defender in this class, and that has not changed. That will not change. He is um, he, he is exceptional. He will be an all-defense team member. Uh, and the offense, you know, he needs to shoot the ball uh, and needs to keep shooting in the way that he did in Game 3. But nonetheless, uh, as long as that comes, he's going to be a really high-level contributor for the Kings. And the, the other thing I do want to note is just something I mentioned on the previous podcast. Like, I want to say it again. Like, he has really, really – it feels like he and, like, Tristan Thompson and they, – they're harder to play against now because of him in large part. Like, they are miserable to play against and that hasn't been the case with the Kings for a long time. Um, they're just really, really tough and physical and strong. And um, De'Aaron Fox has gotten stronger, obviously. And like Harrison Barnes is physical. And uh, you know, Alex Len's like a big dude in there. And Rashawn Holmes isn't afraid to like play physically. I mean, th- this is a team where like the Davion Mitchell pick like kind of did really work toward transforming their culture as an organization. We were both, uh, I was anyway, I won't speak for you. I was surprised by the pick, but when you see kind of what they want to do and go this direction and have him be this culture carrier of toughness and defense and winning, that, that made more sense. I mean, I know that's analytics. People are probably punching the wall right now saying like, how can you say that when the numbers say to, to draft this other guy? But if that was their intention, then it's it sort of uh, started to pan out. It, it, it is early, but I think they're one and two. Let's not get crazy ahead of ourselves, but it's so far so good for him anyway. Yep, totally. Um, any uh, Herb Jones? Herb Jones is starting for New Orleans because his defense is so good. Uh, that's great to see. Yeah, he's uh, that's the game on behind me. He's chasing around Trey Young. He's he's doing the Herb Jones show. He's rebounding. He's switching. Is this like rotational switch ar- Swiss Army knife of roles to run the floor on the break on offense, slash on ball reversals, but defense to keep him out there? 
I'm trying to think. Like, is there any other rookie that we really need to dive into here? You just, think? just worth mentioning Trey Murphy on on the same team. He's playing 20 minutes a night. It's not quite the offensive fireworks like he had in the summer league in the preseason. In preseason, I looked earlier, he had double-digit shots every night, and he could kind of like hunt more for those. The regular season, he takes five to six shots in the flow of the offense. He was like seven for 17 from three and one for four on twos. He's, he's this one-trick pony as a, a floor spacer in the corners, but he hit whatever, 39 40%. You, you can do that. So he's, he's making the most of his role there. Uh, the other guy, Austin Reeves, Hillbilly Kobe for the Lakers, uh, we both hillbilly Kobe. Uh, it's the best nickname going it, it's not discussed enough but we we both felt good about this one draft night both had in the 40s and only played a couple of games but just been solid doesn't hurt you he's five or seven from the field with no turnovers 12 minutes in one game and and then i think 17 minutes the other but 30 minutes against the spurs the other night 10 points on three for five shooting uh yeah undrafted didn't didn't make a lot of sense for for us and the, i think the situation has has panned out to his favor yeah, no, it, it's like a no doubt, like Austin Reeves is an NBA player, I think. Um, I, I had him in the 30s. I was even higher than you were. Uh, I just think he's really smart and plays well within a scheme. And it's not an accident that the Lakers are better when he's on the court because he doesn't try to do too much. Like they, they have guys out there that just do a lot. Right, oh, yeah. like they, they do. It's a good obviously, way like it. Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Like those guys do a lot, but like Carmelo Anthony does a lot. Dwight Howard, when he's out there, like he's extra. <laughs> <laughs> he does a lot. There's there's, um, there's a lot of personality. Kent Bazemore, yeah. yeah, like Kent Bazemore does a lot when he's out there. Um, Malik Monk takes a lot of shots when he's out there. Rajon Rondo handles the ball a lot. Being able to just play off ball and make smart decisions and play within the flow, like that's super valuable. And he has absolutely uh, shown the ability to do that this far, thus far in his career. Yeah, just just to be comfortable in your own skin. And just the, the role he had in college was the inverse of that. He was getting to the free throw line and, and being a shot creator and being this offensive spark plug and to reel his game back in and, and do it within the lane of playing for the Lakers is, is something to be said. Yeah, I love it. I've absolutely loved it so far. Um, any, any other, I mean, we have the Zaire Williams, Moses Moody group that are like at the bottom end of their rotations, which is, like fine. Um, yeah, was, was Moody the, the, Moses Moody? I think is G League, right? Just gonna, been a little bit more effective, but he's yeah. got assigned. Somebody's got assigned to the G League. Uh, Bones Highland, similar situation. Only played one game, and when he did, he had seven points. Really good yeah. in the preseason. Oh, Sandro Mamakilashvili. He's had some moments. Sandro has definitely had played a little bit. Jared Butler has played uh, occasionally for Utah. Um, we mentioned Banton earlier. He's been okay uh, in some moments. Uh, and then obviously we're waiting for Cade. And I'm sure that when Cade plays his first game, we'll have a discussion of Cade. But that just unfortunately hasn't happened yet. No. And the fact that we're able to still talk positively for an hour 15 on contributing rookies, it, it does show how, how deep the class was. And I was most excited about the top of the draft, and we talked about it for two years, and then it was like, ah, do we overshoot it? Do we oversell it? And it doesn't look like it was. And then you have those surprises of guys who are starting drafted in the 40s and, and undrafted. Uh, 
uh, yeah, people are, are going crazy saying, how good is this draft? And comparatively speaking to other ones, it's still been five games, guys. Relax. We're, we're not as uh, as over the moon yet, but it's, it's heading the right way, which uh, I like to see. All right, Penny. Uh, give, give me some movies. It's been two weeks. You have to have seen some yeah, stuff, well, right? I'm also watching NBA games, which just started. I, I finished Below Deck, which I'm sure you'll be proud of me. That season ended. I watched... Uh, I, I didn't see it during award season, so I watched Hacks, which I'm sure you've um, you've seen. I have not seen Hacks really? yet, actually. Yeah, it's just it, kind it, of a it, dead it, zone it plows for through. me. It, it's so kind of semi-based on John Rivers and, and Vegas. We like it. It was a uh, light, lighthearted fair. And then I watched the first episode of You, season three. Uh, I it, oh, it, It's going to be a... A process there i really like the first season the second season was like eh, maybe the third it was like ah gosh i don't know what am i getting myself into penny come on man uh, have some have some self-respect <laughs> part, part of it is like i already feel puck committed when it's two seasons of something it's hard to just like cut bait you gotta give it like a little bit of life Maybe not. This might be the, the end of this life. But more more importantly, seeing that you have four screens, unlimited time, and have not left your house, what what have you seen in your um, your movie-watching time here? I, I mean, there's really only one, like, important thing that I've seen. Have you seen I Dune? I knew you were going to say that. No, I have not. It's so good. It, it's, it, it's like a what-the-fuck-am-I-watching <laughs> watch. Um, I, I don't know how it wasn't the most expensive movie ever made. Uh, just the sheer scope and enormity of the entire thing. And you'll understand what I mean when you watch it. Um, it, it, it is the, it is one of the best looking movies I've ever seen in my mm. life. Um, and it was really good it was an an incredibly effective movie i I thought it was awesome i really truly enjoyed it a lot um but yeah it was uh it's it's a staggering achievement uh from dennis villeneuve have you done squid game yet or no no i haven't so you haven't done squid game and you're just like scrolling through nba twitter and not knowing what these eight million memes mean there are, see, like, here's the thing. Like, I don't really scroll, scroll Twitter oh, all that no. much anymore. Why? Yeah, don't you got to be part of the community, see what people are talking about, what they're doing out there? Like, I, I do. And, and, like, during games, like, I'll see them. But, I, like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not as uh, not as active as I once was. Okay. Well, on the, I, on the Twitter. I just felt like, like I, I jumped I, in I, because I, I didn't want to, like, I enjoyed, miss some of those things. It's like, okay, I get the reference now. I'm going to see, I think, opening night, they made a couple of them. And I'm like, I, I have to watch the last four episodes to, to know what's going on here. Um, I, I did watch another, like, totally batshit crazy movie. Okay. Not surprised. Uh, it, it won the Palme d'Or in Cannes. It is Titan. If you haven't seen this movie, I, I honestly don't want to say any more because it's something that you should watch with as little information as possible going in. Uh, okay. I will uh, I will look it up. I'm not joking. It's one of the weirdest movies I've ever oh, seen. Oh, I saw the preview for this. I um, have not watched it. 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, so uh, we got some work to do here, too. 
Titan. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Titan has twenty percent. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me rephrase. That was the Titan has twenty uh, percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Not the same. <laughs> no, no, it's I was like, not. What the heck are you talking about? How does this win an award? <laughs> All right, it's uh, it's in the hopper. Yeah, yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's it's a Let's try again. Eighty eight percent of Rotten Tomatoes is no that. longer twenty. We have fixed the the reviews here in real time. A body yeah. horror um, film written and directed. Okay, this is this is Sam Vecini one hundred one in French. It, it, of course, it literally yeah. it won con like a okay, series let's of not unexplained like, crimes. Okay, I'm not going to read any more. Okay. Just because I will watch it. Yeah. No, seriously. I, like, will, I won't. So father and son. Do not find play. out. Yeah, you're you're going to watch this movie and you're going to be like, what is happening <laughs> right now? I got to be in the right headspace for like, that. You're, you're going to text me. Yeah, you're going to text me and be like, what did I just get myself into? Sounds right. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that's about all I've got. I'm excited, Penny, because movie theaters open this weekend oh, here in Australia. And I will be going to see your best friends, um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Oh, you're very psyched up about this. I am. I think it's going to be great. I think it looks like perfectly silly. Yeah, I can't. What is it? The last last duel. The last duel. duel. Yeah. Yeah. I always have. I always timepieces are always always tough for me to get into. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I need current. I need Boston um, bank robberies, not uh, duels on on horseback. Yeah, we need we need to get uh, we need to get Affleck to direct Damon in like the town too. It can happen. I mean, there was uh, like the whatever anniversary is another bank robbery in Charlestown. It's like we're doing this again, that, but it hasn't uh, it hasn't added on since then. I think it was just one bank was robbed. Uh, in memoriam of the the movie actually being released so many years ago, we're we're a special kind of twisted out here in Boston. It's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, okay, Penny, tell the people where they can find your work. I'm on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. I guess I'm uh, I'm a semi NBA guy now, but college basketball starts in ten days, fourteen ten days or so. So it's uh, there'll be a lot of stuff coming up here soon. Yeah. I'm really excited for college basketball to start. We're going to do some draft stuff, uh, probably for Champions Classic. We'll probably do like that evening. We might record something, uh, maybe talk a little bit about that. But until next time, we will talk soon.